Hey, so I'm in Midtown. Brandon Shields here. Today is Tuesday, June the 16th, and I want to welcome you to another episode of our podcast designed to help you practice the way of Jesus in a time of global pandemic and social unrest. Today, I want to continue our conversation that we started yesterday on the importance of self-awareness in the life of an apprentice of Jesus. And yesterday, we defined self-awareness as the ability to kind of own who you are, to see who you really are, um, to see yourself clearly, and not just for the sake of discovery or just awareness, but but really in the context of understanding how God sees you and understanding how God is inviting you to become a more loving person. As we see ourselves clearly, we then can invite God into that space to transform us and to help us become a people of love, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to better love our neighbor as ourselves. And so today I want to begin to talk about some tools to help you grow in uh, self-awareness. What does it look like to grow and to develop this skill? As we mentioned that book, Insight, uh, Tasha Yurik, who's an organizational psychologist, says it is it is possible to grow in self-awareness. And and that is the prayer of David. Search me, O God. Help me to know myself. Test my anxious thoughts so that you can lead me into life. And so the first tool I want to introduce today is... Um, the tool of of your life story. And so I want to talk about this kind of theologically and biblically and practically, because I think this is a really powerful uh, way to engage uh, and to really uh, clarify your understanding of of yourself. And, um, and so theologically, we know that we are made in the image of God. And really, uh, story starts with understanding that we are relational beings who are created with a relational soul by a relational God. We are made uh, from relationships, right? God himself exists as a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And out of the overflow of God's love, um, we are created in his image to represent him and reflect him in the world as relational beings. And so we're shaped profoundly by relational context, social context. And so if you think about that, just in how that plays out in the narrative of scripture, for instance, biblically, um, we are shaped by um, generational patterns. And so you see this in the book of Genesis and you see this throughout the Old Testament, this idea that the, the, the influence of fathers and mothers is passed down from generation to generation. Some people call that uh, generational sin. Now, what that doesn't mean is that our biography or our story is our destiny or it's somehow determinative or like the sins of the parents are repeated in, um, you know, kind of deterministic way in the lives of their children. What it means is that um, those things that happen to us as children, specifically in our in our families of origin, in our earliest social context, have a huge impact on how we um, see ourselves, how we experience the world. Uh, particularly uh, what we learn in our family of origin is is really what it looks like to trust, like how to trust and how much to trust and who to trust and if we can trust anybody. And that's foundational for, for love, right? Love in many ways uh, requires trust. Trust is the currency of love. And so we see that in the book of Genesis. You see that playing out throughout the scriptures. You even see like in the New Testament, the apostle Paul um, talks a lot about his story and he talks about his family and the way he was brought up. You can see that in like Philippians 2 and 3 in the book of Acts. Paul's always sharing his story. And he had a profound sense of um, clarity around his story and how that had shaped his self-understanding, his relationship with God, 
the self-righteousness that characterized him before he came to Christ, and then, you know, the freedom that Christ brought into his life and how that uh, reshaped his identity uh, now as a follower of Jesus. And so biblically, we see the importance of understanding our social context um, and how it, how it shapes who we are. And it's not the only thing that plays in uh, to our sense of identity, right? Like our, our self-awareness um, is shaped by our biology, right? Like our genetics. We know that even within our biography and our story, we are people who make choices. Um, we have different situations and circumstances that impact us, trauma that we experience, um, you know, physiological things that are happening. Um, this idea of implicit memory plays in here. So Murray Bowen and, um, you know, kind of psychologically, we could look at this from a different angle. Um, family systems theory has come into play the last, you know, couple of decades. And uh, one of the things that family systems teach us that we know from scripture, but it's kind of confirmed is the importance of how our social context shape our sense of, of self. And and one of the big conversations there, um, and one of the big learnings, big ahas, is this idea of implicit memory. Um, implicit memory um, is are those things that we learn and we pick up without paying attention. Like the majority of things we learn about life are um, uh, come to us unconsciously, um, and they're things that nobody sits down and says, like, here's how you're supposed to look at life, or here's how you're supposed to do relationships. They're those th- those things we learn without even paying like conscious attention to. Um, they're things that kind of get stuck in us and um, have to, a lot to do with kind of the emotional climate of our early relationships. And so Bowen talked a lot about attachment and there's a whole theory of attachment that we don't have time to go into. Uh, but that att- those attachments, those early patterns of how to do relationships and how to trust or not trust and the extent to which we can trust people really shape our life in the world as adults. And so we show up in our relationships. This is where it kind of impacts our self-awareness. We show up in relationships largely formed by forces um, from our earliest days that um, then kind of dictate a script for how we how we live um, as, as adults. And the more aware we are of that script, the more aware we are of, you know, the things that happened to us, how we, how we felt about those things or in the midst of those things, how it created shame or guilt or fear or anger or sadness or joy, um, then leads to kind of an interpretation of our reality that often lies beneath the surface that we haven't thought a lot about. And so our family, while not determinative or our d- destiny in that sense, is really important in shaping our, our sense of self. And so um, one of the ways we can experience transformation and we can grow in our self-awareness is to spend time reflecting back on our story. And um, psychologists have talked about this a lot in terms of the, the healing potential um, of our life story. Uh, one professor, Ned McAdams at Northwest University, has demonstrated clinically how effective it can be to reflect on our story and tell our story and have our story heard uh, by those around us. If people listen with empathy and listen with compassion, it has a real ability to shape and to shift our self-awareness in profound ways. And so um, he's been doing this for 30 years and talks about this. But I want to give you kind of two ways to come at this, uh, two exercises that you can engage in if you're interested in growing in self-awareness through story work. One is um, um, using this tool of the genogram. And so genogram is essentially understanding the impact of your family of origin on your own story, kind of doing a family history and understanding how uh, the dynamics of your family of origin, whether that be a divorce or abuse or 
dysfunction or distance or closeness, like how intimacy and relationships were played out in your family of origin. And again, sometimes it seems obvious, but we forget a lot of things and we, uh, because of trauma, even push things down beneath the surface. And so again, it's not designed to dig up old wounds or be judgmental of your family of origin or, you know, get angry at anybody, but just simply to observe and to name the processes that were at work in your family line. And so you can actually go, uh, Pete Scazzaro has uh, a great ministry here and he's done a lot of work with family genograms, uh, emotionally healthy discipleship or emotionally healthy spirituality can walk you through how to do that. You map out a couple generations back, your, your grandparents and your parents, um, and, and your spouse and their families. And you can kind of see like some patterns and ways that you've been shaped and in terms of your relationships and how you kind of view the world. And then with wisdom and compassion, you can determine what needs to be broken, like what generational sins or patterns need to be disrupted um, or uh, decisions that you've made that need to be repented of maybe in a deeper way so that you can experience healing or what things need to be accepted or even those things that you want to bring through. Of course, we all have bad things that have happened to us, but we've also had a lot of gifts and a lot of things that God has done to bless us. And those need to be carried through to the next generation. And so genogram is one way you can begin to get at deeper levels of awareness of why you tend to struggle with certain things um, and uh, why you tend to be drawn towards certain things or desire certain things or avoid certain things. And those are important insights that you can even uh, carry into conversations with your spouse, with your roommates, with um, you know your pastors or in your uh, relationship with your own kids. I think it's a really helpful tool to be able to explain your story and where you've come from. Um, and why you are the way that you are to a degree. You're never going to fully get to the bottom of it, but that's that's kind of one thing. And then the other one is what um, I picked up from a guy named Viktor Frankl, who was a prisoner in Auschwitz. In his, uh, in his book, The Meaning of Man, he has an exercise uh, that moves you from kind of understanding the larger generational forces to the personal ones that have marked and shaped you as an individual. And this is really about discerning the key people and key moments and events that have defined your life. He calls this the mountains and valleys to understand the highs and the lows um, and kind of put it out and plot it out on a timeline. And, uh, and again, to understand just kind of how you've come to be who you are, um, what key experiences have shaped you. Um, he learned that stepping back and serving both the mountains and the valleys of our experiences and our stories helped to give meaning and hope is actually the one, one of the things that got him through his time in Auschwitz was um, mapping out his journey and understanding the highs and the lows and and help kind of put your life in context so that you can get some perspective in the midst of of, of the sufferings and the joys of life. And so essentially you, you take uh, a T, you kind of put it on its side and uh, you draw out a timeline. At the top you write joy or uh, mountains. At the bottom you write pains or uh, valleys and you begin to map out um, and plot out uh, key events, looking for patterns, thinking of your life as a story in different chapters. Um, and you begin to write out that timeline. This happened. These are the good things that are happened. And maybe you rate them on a scale of one to 10 in terms of the intensity or the profoundness of how it shaped you. And, uh, and then maybe even like how you felt in those different moments. And you begin to look for patterns and themes and then organize those uh, into maybe some key ones that you want to draw out. And the goal is to be able to take this and to not only reflect on this for yourself and to pray this through and offer this up to God, but to eventually get to the place where you could tell your story 
in the presence of another follower of Jesus and have them ask questions and affirm and call out things um, as you begin to look to the future and you begin to see, wow, I, I want this pain to be transformed or I want to I want to celebrate this thing that God's done in my life that maybe I've forgotten about. Um, that journey um, should end in you being able to share that story in about 10 to 15 minutes and again, hit those highlights. And as you do that, you experience a deeper level of uh, awareness and a deeper connection and asking God to meet you in that space, to search you and to know you and to help you know yourself um, so that um, you can uh, you can invite God into the reality of, of who you really are, not who you pretend to be, not who you want to be, but not who others think you are, but who you really are. And understanding that story can be a building block for growth and adaptation. Like my own life, I just think about my uh, journey and how shaped I was as I began to do this work, you know, 10 years ago or so, um, how shaped I was by two parents who grew up in broken family systems with lots of divorce and abuse and alcoholism and addictions. Uh, My parents, we all came to Christ when I was about 13 years old. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about. And over time, we've begun to kind of unearth and excavate and explore some of those things. But just all that goes into like living the first 13 years of my life apart from Christ and now the last 20 something years in Christ and all of the insights and the things that I've learned about myself and about my family growing up in the South, growing up in a predominantly white context in in Kentucky, uh, going to Christian school and then going to public school and then going to a public university, like all of these things and patterns that I've learned about in terms of detachment, uh, in terms of avoiding hard conversations and like where all that comes from and the shame that I've uh, dealt with for most of my uh, adolescent adult life. Those things all have root causes. And the more that I can become aware of those, the more I can um, invite God into that space and prayerfully invite him to transform me in those specific places. Uh, Man, it just breaks and disrupts those patterns and again, what we don't own will own us. What we don't transform uh, by God's grace will be transmitted to the next generation, be transmitted in our relationships, and will block us, hinder us from loving God from a full and free heart and loving our neighbors, ourselves, and really accepting ourselves uh, as we are while looking to the future to ask God to make us our true self in Christ. And so I just want to invite you to uh, commit yourself, maybe this week or this month, to take some space and to do the work of story. Um, and if you need help with that, you can e- email us um, at the church and we'd love to help you with some exercises. We have some written stuff that you can do. But again, most of this just requires the courage to enter into your story and to ask God to illuminate you um, and to help you grow in self-awareness. So this can be a great tool. And I pray that this would be helpful for you uh, on the journey that God has you on. So uh, anyways, I hope that's helpful. Um, And uh, again, I just want to pray these words of David over us as we uh, seek to press in and to lean into doing the work of self-awareness. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Help me know my heart. Uh, See if there's any uh, offensive way. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's my prayer for you today. Grace and peace to you as you go throughout the rest of this day in this week.